This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We use active skin repair all the time in our household. We call it the magic spray. We use it for so many things, but it came in hot recently when Sage fell and busted open his lip and we had our first trip to urgent care for stitches. And now with all the bumps and scrapes that come with summertime, it is very much on the scene. In fact, Mila, my five-month-old, recently got a little cut on her finger and Sage noticed it first and he was like, Mama, I'll go grab the magic spray. He was so jazzed to be able to do it and help her and be a part of it. It's become a staple in our household. You can visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's code VILLAGE for 20% off your order at activeskinrepair.com. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 160. This is a rebroadcast episode from one where I got to hang out with my pal Bryce. She runs the Instagram handle Mom Brain Therapist, and she's a therapist who specializes in supporting moms on this journey. We were chatting about the social norms and the cultural context around moms and self-care and the martyrdom that often comes with motherhood. And we work really hard at Seed to be inclusive and also to acknowledge spaces where there is certain social programming or cultural norms. And this is one of those where I think self-care in parenthood is crucial And I think that there needs to be specific discussion around what this looks like in motherhood. When we look at the history of moms and self-care and abandoning self to provide for somebody else or multiple other humans first. I'm excited to share this really important conversation again as it is at the basis of being able to show up for others is taking care of ourselves first. All right, folks, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today I am here with Bryce. I started following Bryce on Instagram not too long ago, actually. I feel like you have blown up, which cheers, that's amazing because you're doing such fantastic work. Um, and messages that need to be heard. So Bryce's handle is mom brain therapist. We'll link all that in the blog post per usual. But I went to like look stuff up on Bryce to, you know, usually I chat a little bit at the beginning about this human and was like, oh my gosh, she's like a mysterious woman and just told her, I'm like, I'm gonna need you to tell your own story. So hey Bryce, how are you? Hey there. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am Bryce Reddy. I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Massachusetts. And I, like Alyssa said, I am on Instagram as mom brain therapist. So I basically am there sharing info on perinatal mental health. So mental health for moms. And um, I try and make it as relatable and everyday as possible, you know, because I think so much of mental health can be you know, it could feel like something that maybe other people are dealing with or other people have to worry about. And I kind of wanted to be a part of everyday life for everyone, you know, and make it as normal and relatable as possible to be talking about these things. Yeah, I think it's so rad. And I think it's key in that, like, kind of like moving our bodies, right? That like, you don't have to be an athlete to work out or move your body. You can just move your body. You can dance, you can whatever. And I I think similarly with mental health, we often think of, 
I see a therapist regularly whom I love. And I had somebody reach out recently and was like, oh, you go to therapy? And I was like, yeah, babe, it's my favorite thing in the world, actually. And have been with different therapists over the course of a decade now. And if folks were, the, the person in my DMs was like shocked because it was this frame that like, you only should go or you only have to go when things are really bad. And I think that you're doing an awesome job of talking about mental health in a way that is relatable for all and accessible for all. Yes. And that's definitely my goal. And I can definitely relate to what you said about people being like, you go to therapy, you know, even as a therapist, people are like, you wouldn't understand. You've never been on this side. I'm like, Oh, girlfriend, (laughs) like I have been on that side for years. And And I'm proud of that, you know, that we, I think as therapists, we've done a lot of work, but I think as, you know, humans, we, you know, undervalue that the need for that to be able to be met with understanding and just having that therapeutic process of getting to know ourselves on a deeper level. So, yeah, I think it's huge. Actually, Lori Gottlieb wrote, maybe you should talk to someone. She was on the podcast last summer And I said similarly to her, like, I think it's really important for folks who work in mental health to talk about our own processes. And I think that that's been a taboo thing to do for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I like seeing that shift. Yeah, I think that's been one of the most powerful parts about, I mean, I kind of joined social media as a therapist on a whim. One day I was like, I'm going to get an Instagram and see what happens. And, and definitely crush it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what's going to, what could go wrong? Right. And, you know, finding this like tribe of other, you know, helpers who are kind of breaking this kind of training that we've all had to be like this blank slate that nobody really, we don't tell people about ourselves. We don't share our own stories, which I think in a, and for good reason is changing, you know, that we have to be these relatable people to let people know that, you know, this, the human condition is, is for all of us. It doesn't just apply to some of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's huge. Well, today we brought you on, this is our mother's day episode. And I want to chat about one of the things I think, so in creating the set method, it has five components and we uh, people often come to us for the adult child interactions component which is one Um, but there are four others and they're all about us and one of them is Mm -hmm. self-care it is this kind of elusive thing a lot of the time we're like I don't have time for or the finances for um, or the support for x y and z and self-care a massage or mani-pedi whatever and I think they're I would like to dive into what self-care really means on like a day-to-day basis rather than this like, I'm going to bank some self-care time that Mm -hmm. is hopefully going to roll over into (laughs) all these other days to come, right? Like I'm going to get a massage and then hopefully I feel that (laughs) self-care time in a month or whatever. Yeah, Uh, I want to chat about what this looks like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and I think honestly that is the only way in my you know, opinion, to do self-care is that it has to be an everyday thing. And I can definitely, you know, I've definitely gotten some pushback on my feelings about that. You know, people are like, that's not going to work for me or, you know, that's not possible. And, you know, I think we have to find a way to be integrating this into our lives because like, you know, I think the marketing commercial world wants us to believe that going and getting a massage for $200 or a manicure is going to cure our, you know, overwhelm as mothers. And that's just not happening. You know, it's just not possible. As um, I'm a mom of two kids myself and I don't recall the last time I got a massage or a manicure, but every day I find ways to nurture myself the same way I nurture my children. And it might not be the quantity that I give to them, um, but I've had to find ways to prioritize myself and my own needs during this time. Otherwise I would be useless in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. And let's chat about some specifics here. Like what can self-care look like on a day-to-day for folks who are like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Let me know more deets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things ourselves in even just tiny ways, you know, um, being able to say, you know, 
I need to call and make a dentist appointment or I need to go get my pap spear, you know, this year. And even if it's not, you know, I'm not going to make it for next week in six weeks or six months, I need to get that appointment on the books. Like that is important, you know, so being able to prioritize our needs on a very basic level, just saying, you know, did I eat breakfast today? <laughs> did I have lunch? You know, or did I just eat the, you know, scraps of my kid's sandwich? You know, that which I do sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't feel like making it, but here's her peanut butter and jelly <laughs> scraps. <laughs> I'll eat those and those grapes she didn't eat, you know, instead of like making myself an actual plate and sitting there and you know, eating it while I hang out with them or talk with them. So, you know, I think just finding those little ways to meet our needs is the biggest place I suggest moms start, you know, is making sure I have, you know, clothes that, you know, even they don't have to come from J. Crew. like I shop at Goodwill, you know, a lot of the time. And I always tell the story that a few years ago, we were, um, I had like a one bra or something, <laughs> you know, it was mm -hmm. like, oh, I kept having to like wash this one thing. And, you know, going back, and I was like, why can't I buy myself? Like my kids have like, these nice coats and shoes that fit them. And like, I have stuff that doesn't fit me and I have to find a way to make that happen, even if it's on a budget. So, I mean, so wrapping that all up, I really think that prioritizing our needs in an everyday way for the basics, you know, starting there with the basics, clothes, food, doctor's appointments, you know, um, those, those simple things are just a good place to start in my opinion. Totally. And I think if we would imagine like if it was a kid and we weren't, we didn't give them like a full meal and then uh -huh. they are having a tantrum, we'd be like, oh, right. Because they haven't eaten and they're probably hungry. But then okay. when we don't give ourselves a meal and then we are snapping and yelling, we're like, oh, I can't believe I'm yelling. I'm and, so terrible. Yeah, yeah. It all of a sudden becomes about like us and how we're not doing a good enough job in, in right. actuality, like, wouldn't anyone be yelling right now if you're hungry? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like being able to take that step back. We had um, last year in May, right around Mother's Day last year, Kristen Mittler. She's awesome. She has the handle Old Joy on Instagram. She's a oh, yeah. Yeah. She was on, she's a sweet friend and she uh, was talking recently about like buying new underwear for herself. Mm -hmm. How She had just realized like she didn't have, she didn't know the last time she bought new underwear. She's like, I'm wearing like holy old underwear. Like, what am I even doing? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, last year she came on to talk about mom guilt, which I think is necessary and rad, but she, not the guilt itself, the conversation around the guilt. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think like little things like that, like buying yourself new underwear. <laughs> yeah, it's so simple. And, you know, I, I've talked about that too. You know, like, I, a f you know, a few weeks ago, I was on my Instagram stories talking about it that, you know, I had underwear in my underwear drawer that my mom had bought me when my son was born. She brought it to the hospital so I'd have it. And my son will be six in May, <laughs> six years old. And I still have this like random underwear that my mom brought me <laughs> and it's like tattered. And I'm like, oh my God, is this like, right. this is, I, and I just like literally like, gathered it all up and I put it in my clothing recycling bin. And I was like, this has to go somewhere and I need to invest $9 or whatever it is to get myself some underwear at whatever store. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just those priorities, right? It feels like mm -hmm. there's so much going on all the time that I think we often just push ourselves towards the end. I even just do it with like movement where I'll be like, oh, when life gets crazy, I'm like, well, make, making time for movement for myself can be moved to the end of the list. Like I don't have to prioritize. It's, it's just so, I think for a lot of us has become ingrained to do that. Yeah. And I think there's so much pressure to be this perfect mom and to give everything we have to our children that I need to be making them gourmet meals and we need to be entertaining them 24 hours a day and everything has to be about them and their enrichment. And, you know, I think there's truth to that, but it's, you know, we don't, it's impossible to meet that need or do those things on a constant basis that we have to have ourselves somewhere on the value ladder. and recognize that we have it's important to meet our needs as well you know we can only do so much for them unless we're taking care of ourselves and you know treating ourselves as a valued member of the family too 
Well, I think that's exactly it, like a nail on the head. We can only do so much for them if we're yeah. not taking care of ourselves. And people use the like oxygen mask uh-huh. uh, analogy a lot, but they're, it's real, right? <laughs> like when uh-huh. people are reaching out and they're like, oh, they are feeling like they're failing in different ways or whatever, that they're young, they're losing their cool or whatever. I don't have the patience for this. I'm like, yeah, babe, what are you doing for yourself here? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like we, there really is only so much we can give before mm-hmm. we're dysregulated. Exactly. Exactly. And there's just, you know, the, the list of unmet needs that I hear from mothers, you know, in just basic ways, you know, that being able to not being able to watch their own TV show or listen to a podcast that they like, or only listening to their kids' music. And, you know, little things like that can like wear us down because we're choosing to kind of prioritize that. And we keep saying the word prioritize, but it's all, I think, part of this conversation, you know, that we're prioritizing so much for other people and not having enough left for ourselves. And even like we said, some of the most basic ways, listening to a podcast like this one, you know, and while we, you know, have take a walk or after our kids have gone to bed instead of, you know, doing something around the house, you know, something that feeds us and nurtures us has value. Totally. We have a lot of kiddos who know my voice and I think it's I so funny, that. so rad because they're tuning in with the parent. With mom. Yeah. Yeah. With mom and dad. yeah, exactly. That we have this kind of, it has to be a part of our lives. And I think our kids respect that in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, I listen to audiobooks a lot and I'll leave them on in the background and my kids, like, they don't always understand it, but they like the voices and the inflections. And especially now that we're all home together a lot more, you know, that there is, um, you know, I think it teaches them something in a lot of ways to see that I'm doing something for me and that I value that. Yeah. And ultimately when they grow up, I want them to prioritize themselves too. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's going to come from what they see in a lot of ways about what they're allowed to prioritize or what is kind of the standard there. And what's seen as valuable, right. That our interests and our own personal, you know, curiosities and interests are valid and, and worthy to pursue and to invest in. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it's tough. I think it's really tough when kids are young and you're in this space of um, you really have to provide so much that they need to eat from you providing them something mm-hmm. to eat, or they can't move their body unless you pick them up, things mm-hmm. like that. And then I think we can get into kind of patterns and habits early on that then carry through once kids can move their body without you moving them or mm-hmm food without you feeding them with a part of your body or a bottle, you know? Definitely, definitely. And I think we see that a lot as kids age and grow up, you know, that there comes parents all of a sudden have this sense of like, hmm, like what now? (laughs) You know, that there is, I've invested so much time and there's less of a need for a lot of those things. So, you know, there's this kind of, we call it sometimes like a mom fog or something, but like an identity crisis that comes from that. Yeah, so true. I had a we had a friend who got sick this winter and she like had the flu and was down and out and she came out of it and she was like, "Whoa, I realized how many things he her son could do." She's like that I just been doing as a part of habit that he was capable of. Mhm. Yeah, and giving them that freedom and independence, I'm sure to pursue that and to master something and have some pride in that probably feels pretty good. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions we had that I want to throw your way, we had a mom reach out who uh, was like, I can't find time to shower because every time I go to get in the shower, every time I put my baby down, the baby cries. And so I can't hop in the shower because she's going to be crying. Mm-hmm. Let's chat about it. That's, I mean... I had my son cried, I want to say for a year when he was first born. I mean, he just always cried. He was premature and was just not ready to be on the outside. And then when he kind of realized he was here, he was just not super happy about that. And he just, and then he wanted to talk, he wanted to walk. And he was just, it took a long time for him to be like settle and be like, all right, I'm here now. I'm okay. So he just cried all the time. So, I mean, I definitely can relate to this mom, you know, I think, when it came down to it, I often just put him in his little baby chair and sat him outside the shower and I got in the shower and that was it. And I recognized like, 
he was going to have to cry for five minutes, 10 minutes, however long I was in there, you know, just to get my own personal needs met. It wasn't always super relaxing, I will say. Um, but it was really to be able to get out of the shower with clean hair and brush my hair and get clean clothes on. And, you know, if I was, I was nursing at the time, so getting that kind of like milk off of me and kind of just the, this sludge of, you know, new motherhood that I kind of was feeling. And it just, would change my whole day. You know, being able to do that was really powerful for me. So I guess realizing that it's not always going to be maybe perfect, you know, if you do have a partner at home, they, it'd be great if they could hold them and, you know, be a part of it, but that's not always going to be the case. And sometimes we have to say, baby is safe, baby is fed, baby is clean and baby's going to sit in this chair for five minutes so I can wash my hair. And we just have to kind of be, accepting and realistic that sometimes these things just are gonna I guess happen and it's gonna be okay um my baby still knew I loved him and I had hair that was clean and brushed (laughs) so and I was out and I probably held him again for the next 23 hours and you know 45 (laughs) minutes (laughs) we weren't there doing that but I do think that's part of it you know that we have to just do our best you know it's never it's not going to look perfect at certain times of our life but we, we have to be willing to give ourselves that, you know, that time to, to recharge, even if it's just a little. Yeah, I think, and what I like really heard in there was this idea that it is okay for the babe to feel and to express mm-hmm. our inclination. I mean, everything that happens physiologically with mirror neurons, we're like, I need to make that stop. Mm-hmm. And when we can, first of all, when we can take care of ourselves, we're better able to regulate uh, ourselves to then co-regulate with that child. But also that we can then acknowledge that it it is okay if a baby cries. That's how they communicate with us. And they're allowed to be upset that you're not holding them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's totally reasonable, you know, that there is, and they're going to have emotions that might not be always be so loud and, you know, um, you know, powerful to us, you know, but when they're two, when they're five, when they're eight, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. we're always going to be experiencing those emotions and even saying, Oh, I don't want you to go on that trip or I don't want you to do this. And they're always going to be a little protest in there and we can still honor that and do what we need to do at the same time. I love that so much. Um, It's okay if they don't want you to, and you still can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think in that we also get to give them the gift of, knowing that it, we are a safe space for them to express hard things and we won't always try and solve that problem. We can just hold the space for them to feel and empathize with it. That, like, I know I really love hanging out with you too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on this trip mm-hmm. to help for work or because I would just want to. <laughs> right. Because I need a break or I need to get away yeah. and, or whatever, you know, that it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay that we have our own needs and our own desires and their protests are going to come whether, like we said, whether they're six months or 16 and telling us that they don't want us to do something and that's okay. We can like still, you know, hear that. And I even a couple months ago, it was morning before Zach left for work in our mornings here together. I like love. I am like a sucker for a slow morning. Like I'd rather work later. Some people get up and they're like ready to go in the morning. That is not me. <laughs> I am a sucker for a slow morning. And we were up and just like drinking coffee on the couch and it was like calm and chill and we're chatting. And he was gonna have to leave for work. And I was like, I don't want you to go to work. And he was like, Yeah, I don't really want to go either. And then just not just like held that space with nothing else. And then a couple minutes later, he got up and got ready and went to work. And I found so much comfort in just being able to say that and know that he wouldn't be like, I know, but like, I'll be home later, right? Like we do all the time to kiddos, just holding space for that and emphasizing like, yeah, I don't really want to go either. Uh, And then going, that it's okay to not want it to happen. And then for it to still have to happen. And I think when we change our schedules so that kids don't feel those hard things, um, 
and then don't take care of ourselves in the process, we actually aren't setting them up for like life success that uh-huh. they're going to have to go to work. They're going to have to leave vacation. Nobody wants to leave, right? Like <laughs> these things are going to continue to happen. Yeah, they might not want to get on the school bus in the morning, you know, which is something I deal with. My son started kindergarten this year and something we deal with all the time. You know, he's like, I don't want to go to school. I'm like, I know, (laughs) you know, it's hard to get up and go to like rush out of the house every morning or whatever, you know, it's it's tough. So yeah, cozy home days are nice. Yeah. Until you're forced into them. What'd you say? (laughs) Until you're forced into them. Until you're forced into them. Yes, exactly. Right. You know the mental gymnastics when you're trying to figure out how to dress your baby or your toddler for bed? Posh Peanut is the bomb for this. It has a two-way zipper, so nighttime changes with Mila at five months old. You're doing that like middle of the night, don't want to get too woken up. Diaper changes have never been easier. I can just zip up from the bottom. Don't have to fully undress her, which means less fussing, a quicker return to those precious hours of sleep, which let me tell you right now, we're trying to grab every second of sleep that we can. And of course, Posh Peanut clothes are made from the softest viscose from bamboo. It is incredibly gentle on my babe's skin and the breathability helps keep her comfortable all night long. I'm not worrying about like, is she too hot? Is she too cold? Is this the right sleep sack? We have the AC on now. How does that factor into this? It is so perfect. Also, you can find the cutest little fabrics. I have my eye on a truck set for Seiji that is next in my cart. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. You can go to poshpeanut.com slash village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash village. Promo code VILLAGE. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Y'all, 2021 is here. We made it. We have arrived. And that means that Mama's Getaway Weekend is just a few months away. We are going to hang out September 25th and 26th to dive into this work in person. Mama's Getaway Weekend is unlike anything else because in-person events with us are just so different. We dive into different workshops and get to go a little deeper into this work together. It's the only place that I'm presenting in person this year, and we're going to bring guest workshops in as well. It's two days to step out of the day-to-day and build your toolbox. It's so hard to work on systems and do this work on ourselves when we're in the day-to-day. Taking a step back to build your toolbox and to analyze what's going well, what can we tweak, and look at the bigger picture can be so helpful. We have two full days of workshops on Saturday and Sunday, and Saturday night we gather for a mama's mingle where we get to just hang out. You get to be out having adult conversation and finding time to relax and just be. You get to recharge. And bonus, this year I will be bringing my little babe to Mama's Mingle. We get to all hang out together. Mama's Getaway ticket price is going up at the end of February. So head over to mamasgetawayweekend.com to snag your ticket today. Come join us for this life-changing weekend in Watertown, New York. mamasgetawayweekend.com 
But I love what you said a few minutes ago about sitting on the couch and saying, I don't want you to go to work. Because I think that that is something we often as you know, women as mothers don't allow ourselves. Mm. We think like we have to, you know, we hold a lot of those feelings in, you know, for whatever reasons, whether we've been led to believe they're not important or we have continued to just deny those little little inklings of like an emotion, you know? And I love that you were able to say that. And it, like you said, it doesn't mean that Zach was like, oh yeah, like I have to go to work. You know, I have to go to work or like, you know, blah, 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 you know, but we could just honor that and be vulnerable in that moment. Like, oh, I'm feeling this and I don't really, I don't want you to go, but it doesn't mean everything has to change around that, but we can just kind of sit with it and feel it, so. Yeah, I think it's so huge. You're right. I think as women, we don't allow ourselves. I think as adults, really, I think a lot of uh, for for men and non-binary folks that like this is true too. like Definitely. just not saying the things mm-hmm. because we have I think I think it really starts quite early where when you say, mom, I don't want you to go to work. Mm-hmm. And the response is, oh, I know, but like I have to, and then I'm going to see you later or whatever. We've learned pretty early that when we say those things, people might try and solve our problem or sympathize instead of empathize. And I think slowly over time, we learn that there are a lot of places that aren't quote unquote safe to express those emotions in a way that's going to elicit empathy and compassion and then pause. <laughs> yeah. And just let it sit you know, they're welcome and safe and that's it. It just doesn't, we can just hear it. Yeah. I think it's so powerful and it's so hard to do because mm-hmm. when you love someone, you want to make that hard feeling go away. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, interesting to think about. Rad. So let's list out some like concrete tools for folks and we'll pop these in the blog post. I'll also link to um, some of your uh, graphics on this from Instagram because you, I think, do a rad job of highlighting these in a visual manner. Uh, But some things that folks can do for self-care, they're like, all right, I need ideas of like how to take care of myself, which can Uh sound crazy, but like, I think so many of us are so ingrained in not doing these things that just Uh hearing them, I think, can be helpful. Definitely. So one area I know we've talked about a little earlier was priorities. So being able to you know, find ways to prioritize yourself. And like I said, this doesn't have to be, you know, going and getting a massage. This could be saying, I have these shirts that are all like tattered or I need new underwear, you know, or I need to get outside for a walk, you know, after dinner when the kids are with, you know, another adult in the house and by myself, maybe walk my dog, you know, being able to prioritize that you have, you're worthy of kind of some time and space and and the stuff you need for yourself, you know, that there is, that you're valid, that's a valid, you know, need. Um, And the other thing I work a lot with moms on is unmet needs, you know, needs for um, creative outlets, you know, needs for intimacy, needs for um, food, water, connection, rest, like just being able to say, I'm going to turn my phone off at eight o'clock every night and do have my own nighttime routine. I know we always talk about, um, you know, for babies and kids, but, you know, I have a nighttime routine for me (laughs) that I do every night, that the little things like that, that can kind of nurture myself and allow myself to be kind of um, a human that has, that needs to wind down before bed, you know? So I think really focusing on those unmet needs, and I do have a, um, I think a post on that I could share with you guys too. So, um, and another, you know, movement, which is another one I always talk about, you know, whatever that is something you brought up earlier that we can kind of deprioritize that, you know, that we know it makes us feel good, but um, we don't always make room for it because we think it has to mean, oh, I have to go to the gym for an hour. I have to take a, a five mile run when really that could mean standing up from your bed and stretching to the sky and, holding that stretch for a few minutes, you know, or a few seconds even, you know, just to give your body some attention. And um, those little things I think are what I focus on the most. Um, Going, you know, beyond that, you know, little everyday things that we can do, I think is being vulnerable is a big one for me. You know, it's kind of allowing 
ourselves to tell our truth and our stories, even just in a journal or um, texting with a friend that like, I'm having the worst day. I just need someone to tell me I'm doing a good job. You know, those are self-care. You know, I think so often we can, like we've said, we can kind of make self-care to be something that seems unattainable, but in reality, we're doing a lot of these little things every day and just kind of, but not giving them the value that I think that they deserve, so. Yeah, I like those tangible tips. I have shared this before, but my mom, I'm one of five kids. My mom, my parents started having children when they were 19 and grew up in a low-income community. They didn't have access to like bonus supports or finances or whatever. And she uh, stayed home with us, ran like non-regulated home daycare. Uh-huh. And she is the queen of self-care. I love that. So great at it. And I well, I will continue to talk about it because I want folks to hear that you don't have to have all the things in place to take care of yourself. Like she mm-hmm. would, we would be outside playing and she would go to her garden and like do stuff in her garden. And I have like memories of going over and being asking her to like come play. And she would say, oh yeah, I'm going to finish up in my garden. Then I'll play. Like I she didn't that. drop her stuff mm-hmm. to come play with me right then. It was okay for her to say like, yeah, I'm going to finish taking care of me. And then I'm going to come help you. Yes. And I think that's something, oh, sorry. Yeah. Just little things like that, you know, that really add up. Yeah. Even listening, like we said, having the audio book on in the background, you know, while you, even if you are playing Legos at that time or doing something, you know, that we can incorporate our needs into our everyday life, even when our kids are there, you know, it might not be the, you know, one fell swoop recharge that we need, but it's really just the honoring ourselves as individual humans with individual interests and needs and goals and finding ways to just incorporate that with our kids. Cause I mean, we have to make it all work. We have to blend it all. Like you said, you know, and I think that example of your mom being able to, you know, teach you guys that gardening was important to her, you know, whether she was, she wasn't coming out and saying that, but she was modeling that for you that, no, this is what I'm doing right now. And that's completely okay. And I think generationally, there has been a change there. You know, people like to think that, you know, um, people being on their phones or wanting to do other stuff is something new. But, you know, my mom was watching General Hospital while I played toys, (laughs) you know, and, you know, she was talking on the phone and telling me, like, I'm talking to your aunt right now. Like, you know, this wasn't, my parents weren't devoting 24 hours a day to me intensely because it wasn't realistic. I mean, parents have been finding ways to um, incorporate themselves into their children's lives forever. And there's just been less guilt about it, I think, at certain times. I absolutely agree. Um, I also grew up watching General Hospital with my mom. Um, (laughs) I also, like, another, like, flashback came to me of her, like, standing over the sink doing dishes, and she would it sounds silly but like would prioritize dishes because Mm -hmm. for her it was stressful if at the end of the night she was doing all of them Mm -hmm. and so there were things like she wouldn't come and play with us right away or there were things that we did independently in our process of like after um, dinner and like getting ready for bed there were parts of our process that we were expected to do independently because she was doing the dishes and then was coming to join us Mm -hmm. rather than like being a part of all of those steps and then having to do the dishes after we go to bed. Yes. Little bits along the way. We're like, then once we were in bed, the dishes were done and she could chill um, yeah. or get lunches ready, whatever. But like building those things, I think so often we think of the housework and the like care of the house has mm-hmm. to happen when kids aren't uh, like present. Mm-hmm. And I think we can build it in throughout the day and say, we just had our three year, our friend's three year old was with us and she and I were playing and then we had lunch and I was cleaning up and she wanted to go into the backyard. I was like, go right ahead, babe. And she was like, oh, I want you to come too. And I was like, well, I'm going to finish cleaning up from lunch and then I'll come play. And she was like, no. And she started to a tantrum. She was like, I don't want to go by myself. And I was like, you don't have to go. You can wait inside here. You can play inside, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm going to finish this before I go outside. So she had the choice to make of like, do I, re- do I want to go outside right now mm-hmm. <laughs> or do I want to wait for Alyssa? And, and I wasn't going to stop what I was doing to like, okay, I'll go outside right now with you. Right. You know, 
that's such a great example, you know, that we have to make this all work, you know, and there is, we, and knowing, I think our, our triggers in a lot of ways too can help, you know, like is messiness is a trigger for, I know for me, I like a clean kitchen. And so I do incorporate that into like my daily routine with my kids, you know, being able to clean as I go and know that if I walk in there and it's super duper messy, I'm like, oh, this is stressing me out. And so being able to say, prioritize like that, like you said, and that my kids know that I can do those things and go in and empty the dishwasher while they play and then join them again. And there's a flow and a rhythm to it all that we can make it work. Yeah. And for me, it's not even a trigger. I think it is important to be mindful of triggers. For me, the messiness isn't a trigger. It's that when she went down for a nap, I wanted to be able to not be doing dishes. That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. Because it was going to be your time. Right. <laughs> That's right. No, I think that like prioritizing these things as little things is the key here that we don't make them these giant things. And one of the, one of the things we've chatted about in past episodes, but communicating with your partner I think is uh-huh. huge around like what is <laughs> I had we had an episode um on the like mom mental load and all the things that you carry of like okay yeah. schedule the doctor's appointments gotta get like all the things that uh, moms can tend to carry and shared in this at uh, that episode that like early on in our relationship I had said to Zach I don't know if you understand all the things that go on like he'd never cleaned the tub and it had always just magically appeared clean. And I was like, Oh yeah. Right. I refer to this as magic house when things just happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that part of the like self care needs is the communication here around like, what is your partner doing? What are you doing? What do you feel like is too much that you can offload in any manner? And maybe your partner isn't in a place to take it on. Maybe it's having a conversation about what this looks like as a whole as a system. Uh But I think that partner communication is huge. Huge, I think, in the self-care piece. You know, and, you know, I think I there's a great book called fair play. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Yeah, so it's a great book if anyone wants to look it up, but it's all about kind of, there's a, sharing the mental load, right? Or the the mother load, the emotional load of motherhood, you know, and our parenthood and, you know, being able to kind of communicate our needs in a way that, um, that allows things to happen, but still, you know, allows other people to see in the family what our needs are, you know, which I think moms and, you know, are often, you know, the, you know, the primary caregiver in a lot of families and, they can kind of almost be forgotten, even though they're kind of this like integral piece of the puzzle here, you know? And I think being able to share that, um, that we need help, you know? And, you know, and it's about, it's a team effort, which is something I think I've talked about a lot with my family in the last few days with kind of what's going on and us being home more, you know, is that we, we all have to be really mindful of doing our part to kind of make this happen, you know, and it, it is a team effort, whether our kids are two, five, which is how old my kids are. And, um, and I, my, you know, my husband who's, you know, in there as well, <laughs> you know, that there is being able to communicate kind of what our needs are and what it's going to take for this family to, you know, keep moving and running and what I need in the, in the midst of all this. Do I need to get out of the house? Do I need to take a shower? You know, and often that's something I'll verbalize first thing in the morning. I'll be like, today I need to take a shower. I need to take a walk. And um, I, you know, I would like to walk our dog Sherman. I'm like, I would like to walk Sherman later. And, you know, these are the things and really putting voice to those things is important to me and something I've had to learn a lot about as a mom and as a parent um, going from, you know, transitioning to non-parent life to this new life and yeah, and allowing yourself to still have that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. So for folks who may have caught on at this point, we are recording this in March, in like the throes of Corona in in the U.S., it's not coming out till May. So who knows what world we'll be living in at that point? Right, right. now, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, but I had someone reach. I shared my my brother shared with me a schedule for his kids. Mm. We're now all of a sudden home, and he and his wife are going to be working from home. As they had this, they had this schedule that they created for the kiddos. They're nine and eleven. And in it, in two spots in it, in the daily like list, there were spots for chores. And I got a lot of DMs about this, about chores. And one person referred to it as child labor. And I was like, oh, interesting. I think of it as like being a part of the family and uh-huh. having responsibility for your space. And um, I think that then this really feeds into the self-care conversation, because if Like, what is a child's role in the household? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and so whose job is, you know, making this all happen if it's not part of the family's roles, you know, just in general, right? If we're not expecting kids to, you know, put their pajama pants, like, in the hamper or back on their bed to be worn tonight, you know, like okay like you know who else is going to do that and who's what's the expectation for who who's going to do that which is you know the parents and and then who are we raising as adults Mm -hmm. right Right? yeah Uh, I mean it has to I mean my kids I think that's one thing we've always kind of tried to focus on is you know is that this is a family routine you know whether whatever we call them you know everyone has to do their part to make our we live in a very small old house you know so I mean there's not much room for anything you know to just be lying around like things have to be put away otherwise we're falling all over it and so we have to kind of clean up as we go and while still living space for mess which is like you know one of those I'm totally you know happy to do there's going to be Legos there's going to be dolls on my floor like that's life but there also has to we can't leave the food containers out and things like that so it is I mean it's I think chores is can be a hot button issue for sure that term yeah. it was so interesting um it was unexpected I was like oh cool here's a schedule I'll share whoa <laughs> there was some <laughs> unexpected yeah. yeah yeah um well I think one of the things that you noted uh had come and then escaped my brain and just came back um was I think it's important. We're talking a lot about moms here and mom self-care. And I think for folks, this can be like, oh, well, what about dads and equality and Mm non-binary folks? And I think it's really important to also acknowledge like historically, 
what the study was um, and how women were viewed in society and in households and what their roles were and then how we've gotten to where we are. Because um, I think as we're having this conversation around equality, it's integral to the conversation to bring in what we have done in the past and what um, even just what thought patterns have been and how that's now feeding into systems today that are evolving but still have room for growth. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think there is that kind of those leftover feelings about gender roles and beliefs and maybe what our houses looked like growing up and, you know, when we do build families, we are bringing those kind of beliefs from our childhood or just even, you know, subconscious, you know, things that we have kind of ideas about how this is all going to look. And those ideas might all look different to, you know, whoever's involved in it. Um, and it is, it, I think it does take a lot of work and there's still a lot of work left to do, I think, around it. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, like subconsciously, what are we bringing to the table? Um, and what are we, I think, as we've moved to more women in the workforce and more equality for women in a lot of ways, still, I think a lot of the household stuff falls on women, especially in hetero relationships where, sure, you can work um, and plan that birthday party and make sure we're in the right school district and that you are part of all the assessment conversations and uh -huh. pediatric appointments are set and uh, does it, is there a birthday present for this kid's birthday party coming up? Even if you're the delegator uh -huh. of this stuff, I think a lot of these things still, we still have room for growth there. Definitely. Yeah. I think women or mothers, I, you know, can say there's so much, we've gained so much traction. You know, women are, you know, people are working outside the home. They're the primary, you know, income earner in a lot of families. Like there is, you know, different people are filling different roles. I know Jenna Kutcher just did a, a podcast recently on, you know, um, you know, this, I think it was Rachel Hollis's like her relationship mm. with her, you know, husband and you know, how that was for him to kind of be, you know, I think I don't want to say like, supporting her as a CEO, you know, and what that looked like and how kind of the reaction, I know Jenna Kutcher also has a husband who I think takes care of their child primarily. And she of course is running this multi-million dollar company, you know, and how there is still some expectations or questions around that, that they get as couples like, Oh, like, what do you do? Like, or what's your job? And he's like, I take care of the kids. Like, you know, that there things are changing and things are evolving, but there are still, kind of just these long held beliefs around, you know, I don't want to say what everyone should be doing, but there is, I know I just got kind of cut off track from the whole mental load conversation that we were no, just yeah. going, but it just made me think of it. But um, well, I think they play hand in hand, the mental load and the self-care. Cause I think part of the self-care is being able to have these conversations about how much it feels like it's falling on your plate. Yeah. You know, there's still stuff to do. They're still donating the old clothes and cycling in, you know, what fits, what doesn't fit, who needs new shoes, you know, what paperwork needs to go back to the school today. And, you know, I think making even little things like making lunches, you know, that there mm -hmm. is a lot to do and who kind of gets assigned that tasks and, you know, it's, it's yeah. not easy to iron it all out, totally. especially as women and, you know, mothers and are having all these different um at role expectations in addition to you know just parenting just right <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly exactly and uh, my hope for for folks tuning in today is to hear like little ways that they can take care of themselves and to give themselves grace and give their kids space to not love it <laughs> to have to have hard feelings if they decide they want to pee with the door closed mm -hmm. um and that they this child might be upset if you want to sit down and drink your coffee and you're not ready to play with them yet mm -hmm. uh, and that that's okay it's okay for them to be upset about it and it hopefully will pull away from your um, self-care practice. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that's, you know, 
that's a huge gift I think you're giving women and parents and mothers and whatever, you know, in this conversation is that freedom to say, you know, like, it's okay to prioritize myself and that you're allowed to have as a child or, you know, to have that discomfort or want to protest that, but I still need to do it. There's, I still need to get out and go to the dentist or I need to walk our dog, even though you don't want me to, you know, it's important that I get out and, and showing them that that's important. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's huge. And I think our inclination um, folks know here, like I'm huge, do screen time if you want to do screen time and it's okay for kids. I think our inclination is like, I'm going to put on a show so that I can have a break. Mm-hmm. And then there's the guilt of like, and then I just put on a show and it just like, you know, compounds. Um, And I want to give folks also the freedom to say, if you don't want to put on a show, it's okay if they're upset about you making lunch and them not being entertained by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're allowed to be bored, you know, and I think boredom is a gift in a lot of ways too, you know, being, giving kids the you know, the ability to sit with themselves and that that's not always super entertaining. You know, we can sit in the car or, you know, do whatever. And I'm not always going to be stimulated (laughs) that sometimes I'm just going to have to sit there and look off or find something to do or color or whatever. And that's okay too. Like you said, you know, I think we just have to, what I'm hearing from you is really that that flexibility is so important to like, we do what we have to do to get through it all. And we're allowed to make choices and, we're just doing the best we can moment to moment. And that's what we really have to just sit with. We can't kind of focus too much on what we did 10, 15 minutes ago, or even a month ago. We just have to recognize that we're just doing the best we can every single second of the day and making the choices that we do. And they're okay. You know, next choice we're going to make, we'll have maybe different information and we'll use that in a different way and go from there. And then it's just truly okay to prioritize you. I realized with myself, I can't do more than two straight hours without a minute of like not having a human on my body. Uh Or um, even if it's like, I'm going to go in the bathroom and close the door, even if I don't have to pee and just like have a minute to myself. Uh Yes. I realized helps me show up as a way more regulated human. And advocating to sometimes advocating to myself for myself (laughs) for that is sometimes the hardest part right yeah (laughs) giving ourselves that like the permission that we're worthy of that you know and recognizing like you said that that's a need you know I need to be physically away from some people you know I need to go sit in a dark room or I need to drink my tea while it's hot instead of you know having to reheat it 10 times you know (laughs) that we have we have to be able to be willing to kind of draw those, I want to say like lines in the sand and say like, this is, I'm owning this today and this is going to happen. Like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, you know, I like, sometimes I wake up and I can really recognize my needs right away and be like, this is what I need to do today. And like putting it out there to my family, whether they're two, five or, you know, an adult, and this is what I need from today. And one way we're going to make it happen because I need it. And, and that's okay. You know, we're worthy of that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So if folks want to follow along with you and get rad tools from you, where can they do so? You can find me on Instagram at mom brain therapist. And I'm also on Facebook and um, putting together a Facebook group too. And there, I think I'm the mom brain therapist. So, um, but I'm sure if you put mom, whatever you put in, I'll probably get you there one way or another. And I'm working on a website, which I have been building for a million years. (laughs) (laughs) Finally turn the little button to make it go on. And, um, but that's, you know, that's where you can find me and I'm hanging out. So I'd love to have you join me. Awesome. We will link to everything in the blog post. And if your website is up and running by the time this episode airs, we'll link to that as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for having me, Alyssa, and for all of your listeners. I am so honored that you guys gave me a chance to come on and chat with you and hang out with you and drink my tea. So much thanks and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. 
If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.